So I got Mike, and I remember years ago, because Mike, as we, we mentioned earlier, has CP, cerebral palsy. And years ago, back in the day, back when I was a real estate, it's like going back 20 years ago, he was involved with uh, UCP, United Cerebral so, Palsy Fund. What? I was at a fundraiser, and he got up on stage, and because Mike comes from very humble beginnings, yes. and he told this story about the brown turd. And so <laughs> that was this car that he had in high school. He used right. to drive to school, and it was really a messed up car, and the kids used to pick on him. And made fun of them. And so it was very inspiring. I was like, I remember watching Mike, you know, he, the whole, there was, a, I don't know, a couple hundred people there maybe. Yeah, yeah. It was, there was a lot of people at, and everybody loved it. It was a great speech. It was very inspiring because, you know, he's like, he humbles himself before the audience and then shares something that was, at the time he's going through it as a kid, it's traumatic because you're in high school, you want to be liked. And everybody, you know, everybody's making fun of you, saying, "Oh, there's Mike and the brown turd," and 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 <laughs> yes. plus on top of that, he's he's a cripple. Literally, yes. he had a disability. He yes. had cerebral palsy, and the kids didn't care, and they still screwed with him and made fun of him. And so he takes you through that, and I want him to tell the story like he told then, because it's very inspiring where he had gotten to. And so he took people from his teenage years when he didn't feel too good about himself to. Where now he's basically captivating an audience of several hundred people. He's making six multiple six figures, working for a big television station in Orlando, dealing with big movers and shakers and very powerful people. Like we were talking about John Morgan. Yes. The, he's a big wig in the Demo Democratic Party and all the presidents and Pelosi, Barack Oganja, Joe Biden, they <laughs> all come and kiss the man's ring. Because he has a lot, a lot of influence, and these are the kind of people that Mike has has hung out with to to go from the brown turd to there. And so, I want you to just like that that speech, tell the story, how it all came about, what what the brown turd is. Sure. So the the, the basic, as I tell people, I was born with two uh, rocks on my shoulder. One, I was born uh, poor. We lived in a house. We didn't have front. We didn't have a front yard. We had front dirt. My dad worked in a bank. Good guy, hardworking, sweet guy. But you know, the money wasn't his thing. And it's a good Christian guy. And if that was a that was a, a a weight, I was born crippled. So people go, oh my, don't call, don't say cripple, say handicapped. Listen, I'm a cripple. When people say. You know Mike Betters, and they go, Mike Betters, the guy that's kind of balding, kind of heavy, whatever, he's old. And they go, no, the guy with the limp. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the cripple guy. So I, John Morgan told me one time, you first have to admit what you are, and, I, and I'm a cripple guy. It doesn't, it's not a bad thing. I'm the cripple guy. You know Mike Betters, that's, that thing. yeah, I know the cripple guy. So anyway, poor, poor and cripple, and I, and I always knew, and I don't, can't tell you what exactly age I thought of it, but I thought, I'll always be crippled, but I'll never be poor. So even at that young age, I was fascinated by people make money, successful people. And I was always trying to figure out how to get out from being poor. So, you know, and I couldn't, I was trying to date girls, right? You know, <laughs> or I was trying to date girls and they'd be like, I love you like a brother. And I'd be like, fuck, I just want to kiss. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to be loved like a brother. So, you know, I <laughs> thought, well, 
I've got to get a car. I got to get a car. So dad, my dad had no money. He we dro he drove fifteen year old, twenty year old cars, and so I I saved my money and, and I bought a four hundred dollar um, what used to be a police car, and it was white and it was it was called a Fury Three. That was the the, the and it was a Chrysler, and so it was it, it just looked terrible. And where they had pulled the 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 stickers that said you know sheriffs or whatever kind of car, you could still see it was etched in the you know in the paint. So our next door neighbor, you know, grew up in this house or in this neighborhood. It's called Sunland Estates. There's no estates about it. It was raggedy. We had no AC. So the guy next door neighbor painted cars, and he said, "I'll." He goes, "I was, you know, bemuting the idea that this car was ugly and white, and you could still see the stickers." And he said, "I've got some brown paint. Let's paint it." So again, I believe that he goes, well, "That poor crippled kid. Let's paint the car." So he comes back, and the thing is doo doo brown. There was a there was a rap song I don't know Doodoo Brown Luke Luke Skywalker <laughs> Doodoo Brown that's what it was and Two so crew. and so he everything was brown it was Doodoo Brown and 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 so driving it and it, you know had carpet on the dash it was tough it was tough and so so someday one day I drove to, to school and somebody goes Mike you look like you're driving around in a big brown turd. And so every, it caught on. Everybody's like, Mike Metters in the turd. Mike Metters in a turd. And I couldn't still get a date. Couldn't get anybody to kiss me because they're like, you're driving around in a turd and had no air conditioning. So it, that, th that made my life tough. And I just wanted to kiss a girl. Just wanted to kiss a girl. So I went to college and, uh, and uh, majored in radio, television, and film. I had terrible grades, a 2.2. I, I graduated with... Uh, it was terrible. Radio, television, and film. I came back to to uh, Lake Mary and got a job at, or was in Orlando at the time at the Fox station, making five dollars an hour. Now had the the turd had died in Mississippi. That's where I went to University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg. And now I have a four door, three door car with a that was a. I forget what it was. So old. I'm getting so old. So anyway, I got in a wreck and ripped the door off. So now I have a four door, three door car with a big piece of plastic. I was working, running the camera. And one day I looked up and I and I was like, you know, again, I always interested in how people made money. And I, I look and I see these guys walking, they have suits and nice watches and rings and cars. And I go, hey, what do they do? And they go, they're called account executives. And I go, well, fuck, that's what I want to do. Cause I'm I'm tired of wearing jeans and t-shirts to work and five dollars an hour. And uh they go, oh no, 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 no. You can't, because you don't know what they do. And they make lots of money. And I was like, fuck that, I gotta figure this out. Took me two years to get the job. I, I applied five times, and each time they would say, they'd call you the second interview. They go, you know, unfortunately, Mike, we're going to give the job to Andy or Corey or Diana because you know you're just that close. And so every time I would go in there, they would go. I knew the second interview was the time when they'd say, ah, we can't give you the job. And so if I back the story up just a little bit more, my friends that worked in, in production would say, you're never going to get the fucking job. You're crippled. You're crippled. And they'd say this. I want to buy some advertising. And even interesting, Corey talks about, I talk about John Morgan being a friend of mine. I've been, he's been very good to me. But they would say, way back when, they go, you're going to go up to John Morgan, go, want to buy some advertising? And so those people were pulling me down. And I was like, something in me is like, no, I got to go forward. Five times I took the job, right, I interviewed for the job. And four, you know, four times I had to say, if I always remember telling the lady, if I don't get this job, I'll get the next one. And if I don't get the next one, I'll get the next one. And if I don't get the next one, I'll get the next one. And she would go, 
that's great, Mike. We'll see you later. And they go, I go back out and they go, you fucking didn't get the job because you're crippled. And you got a fucking four, three-door, four-door car. And when is John Moore going to get in your car and you're going to have to get him in the in the driver's side and tell him to slide over, but don't slide over too far because he's going to hit the, you're going to hit the plastic and slide out. So my spirit was, <laughs> I'm serious. My spirit was about to be broken. I was like, maybe these fuckers are right. I'm crippled, my hand, the whole thing. And so the fifth time, I go in there, and in the second interview, you know, they, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to say, okay, so I don't get this job. I'll get the next one. If I'll get the next one, I'll get the next one. I'll get the next one. And the, the lady looked up. Her name was Sharon DeLuca. She goes, Mike, you're going to have the job. Let me introduce you to your secretary. Let me give you a, a company credit card. We're excited to have you here. And I was like, great. Hit, hit the jackpot. Hit the jackpot. So I run out to my friend Tom, who's my best friend <laughs> in the whole world. And I go, Tom, he was a counter person too. And I go, Tom. Guess what? I'm an account executive. I'm going to be able to take you for lunch. I got, they got an expense report. I got all this stuff. And he goes, you suck, Mike. You're only going to keep the job for about six months. They're going to fire you. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. And I was like, what? So anyway, that was 20, 30 Your years ago. Your best friend. My best friend. So the thing I learned from that at Core, you can make it speak to this. You are who you hang around with. Yep. You want to be a better baseball player? Hang around better baseball players. And so I, 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 need, I realized, and again, Going a little further, as, as I started making my way in sales, people want to, they want to be listened to. I learned to listen. And so, and I started hanging around people that were more successful than me. And I would ask people, how did you get here? And what did you do that? And again, Corey, I saw Corey rise, claim to fame. We talked about it yesterday about him, $4,000 investment in advertising. And he said, he said it didn't work, but you got to figure out why, it's, what, what's going to work. So meet John ask, Morgan. You got to ask great quality questions. Great quality questions. And so I learned so much from, uh, from everybody. And so that's – if somebody said, what is my uh, uh, best attribute? I like to listen to people, find out what they've done wrong. I can listen to Corey all day. I'm not saying this just because – you know, before we started, we started talking about colonics. And it was something fascinating. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, the clay and the – so <laughs> if you want to be more successful – hang around more successful people and try to understand what they're, and, and then everybody wants to talk about themselves. So if you ask the right questions, you can get this out of the, the, the people. Why am I here right now? Because somewhere you went, I like Mike, he's a good guy. And so that's my uh, story. I'm sticking with it. And again, I'm again, following Andy and, and Corey start investing in real estate. And so they tell me things and I go, Hmm, he told, Hmm, I go, I listen to, Andy, Andy tells me stories. I go, oh, that's interesting. So I, at 59, I'm still learning, still learning. And I'm, I have a, a passion for, uh, you know, John Morgan told me one time, I said, he said, you made 10 million. He said, I made $10 million last year. And they go, God dang it. That's a lot of money. He goes, Mike, somebody always makes more money. And he goes, I, I'm a type A and I want to find people that got what I want. And I'm, I'm going to learn from people. So at that guy, I think he's 65 now, but, uh, He's still learning, and so me too. And I'm I'm uh, excited about learning and understanding different things and political ideas. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I want to suck it all in because I think when you stop learning, you start dying. So I'm mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here and and learn from Corey and take notes about green drinks and and clay and probiotics. So I, I'm uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Cool. Very well. So uh, if anybody's interested in, in uh, hearing more of my story, uh, again, I, my father committed suicide. My mother left us, me and my brother and my father, when we were six. So if anybody's 
interested in hearing more of my story. I've, I've been told it's inspiring. Certainly, you can contact me. I believe they're going to put the, my uh, phone number on the on the below me, my email address. Uh, I'd certainly love to talk to any group or organization. Again, I I, I know that my uh, wheelhouse is people that are below me. Somebody told me one time, they go, Mike, it's hard to for you to talk to people that make more money than you because they've they've accepted and, and got what you have and more. But, you know, uh, I work very well. Uh, I think it, my message goes over very well with any blue collar workers or people that are struggling to, to, uh, do better again, poor crippled kid. And, uh, I learned the idea about who you, you are, who you hang around with and, and, uh, ask questions of people that have what you don't have. So if anybody would want to contact me, I certainly welcome to, uh, speak with you about how I might be able to help you. Accept speaking engagements all over the country. Uh, please call me, email me, and we'll discuss rates and, and what you may need from me and what I can deliver. And uh, so I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So we have Diana, Dirty Diana. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. <laughs> Excited to be here. So tell us or tell them a little story about who you are, what your background is. Um, so I'm originally from New York, but I moved here, um, when I was about 10 and I moved to Orlando, um, grew up there, went to UCF, um, got a degree in psychology. And from there I realized I wanted to be a songwriter and I wanted to help people get on their purpose. So I started a podcast called Profound Purpose where I actually had Mike on and he, um, basically told the same story of, you know, how he struggled and then became successful by persisting and things like that. And so my mission is just to really get people on their purpose and write music that inspires people and uplifts people. Very cool. What else you got? Thank Anything you. else you want to add to that? Um, that pretty much sums it up. I'm also interested in making, you know, content and online courses to help people find their purpose. Um, that's, that's in the works. Um, nothing out yet on that. Let me let me how, how when what so how do people find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram at profound underscore purpose, and then I have an Instagram for my podcast, which is at profound purpose podcast. YouTube channel or no? Um, not yet, but it, when I make one, it will be a profound purpose. Cool. Make sure you get that name. Definitely before someone takes Especially it. Especially <laughs> once this airs. Somebody will do it just to fuck with you. Oh, yeah. And then you'll go, you know, that, I lost because my, my, my book name, I go by Corey Wayne, which is actually my mm -hmm. first name and my middle name. Because when I was starting, when I, my book was almost done, I was figuring out what, you know, going to get my website. I went and checked my name. It was available. I was like, oh, I'll get that tomorrow. Reserve that from GoDaddy. And then, like, I don't know, the next day I go on and somebody had taken the damn name. I was like, fuck. So I was like, what else can I use? And I, and I was thinking Corey Wayne because that was my mm -hmm. middle name. And, you know, my mother, whenever she would get pissed, which was quite often, this kid, Corey Wayne, you know, and she would yell right. at me and say it that way. And so yeah. that was available. And that's the pen name that I, I go by. Definitely. Yeah, I'll definitely lock that in. Um, mm -hmm. Another part of my mission is helping people to step out of their social anxiety because a lot of times lack of confidence. Like I know you, you talk about building confidence um, on your page, but it's so – um, major for stepping into your purpose a lot of times people let like their shyness or social anxiety like hold them back from meeting people like you know I would have never met Mike I would have never met you guys if I let like my struggles with so social anxiety hold me back 
but you know, it's important Mike, to- Mike had told me that you were bullied. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, I definitely um, had my struggles with that growing up. You know, I struggled with, you know, acne and braces, teeth issues, and people would pick on me. And, um, but at the end of the day, like we're responsible for our own self-talk and our own self-image. And, um, you know, I got into positive thinking. I got into books like, um, you know, The Secret, which I have my, you know, qualms with that. But the general idea of thinking positively and like, you know, speaking uh, love and speaking like positive things onto yourself in your day and setting intentions that really like changes your outlook on life. And then you get that back from other people. And then people start perceiving you as more confident or as a likable person. If you like yourself, if you don't like yourself, people aren't going to like you. Cause I believe you get back what you put out and what you say to yourself is like so important. Let me speak to that. Learning to love yourself is the greatest yes. love of all. It's quoting a song. It's Absolutely right. Until I started to love myself and saw my hands all like this, I love it. It's no problem. And and how I met her, I met her through work. And uh, I wrote a bit. I read a book. It's called uh, "See You at the Top" or maybe it's "Meet You at the Top." But I've read it. Zig I'll Ziglar. see you at the top. See you at the top. Yes. Zig, Zig Ziglar, Ziglar yeah. from Kentucky or excuse me, yes. from Mississippi. And he says one of his. Uh, basic principles is you can have everything you want in life as long as you help enough other people get what they want. Mm -hmm. And so in my life, I, I want to help Corey get what he wants. I want Andy to get and get what he wants. Diana wants. And so as I talk to her, I'm like, listen, I, I'm going to help her because again, I believe in theory of reciprocity, blessings, karma. So I'm going to help her get what she wants because you, Corey's helped me and Andy's helped me. So I want to pass it on. And so that's, yeah, that's, yeah, and that's yeah. what I'm, I, I aspire to be. And so, again, you can have everything you want in life as long as you help enough other people get what they want. Mm -hmm. That's such a major key. And I really appreciate, like, sure. all your help. You know, your story really inspires me, how you push through your challenges and, and you know, dealing with bullying, what other people sure. thought of you and, and overcoming that and learning to love yourself. Like, that's so profound. And um, I'm still on the path to learning to love myself. I think, you know, we could all grow in our in our self-confidence like I don't think there's a limit to it but just you know being around you guys and hearing these stories like really uh, inspires me you know Dr. Deanna right we talked about him he goes I like that guy so much so he's a big I, big fan of his he goes you know what Mike you know you know you look at Corey Corey's very uh uh he's very confident he's he's very confident he's got a bald head he's he shaved his head that's confident <laughs> and, and again is is cory one of the most confident people and andy you are too very confident so it's it, hanging around people like that it's all rubs off and you go yeah yeah you know cory today was telling me some stories about you know what he uh some ideas about him just going i don't care i'm not doing this or i'm doing that and so that's inspiring like yeah, I guess why why shouldn't you you know cave the societal you know uh, norm? So uh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Definitely. So how how did you get into psychology? Did, was that because of the bullying, or you were? Yeah. What, what was the impetus for you to major in psychology? Um, I think the motivator for me was that I was just genuinely passionate about it and interested in, in learning about people, learning about myself, but also how to be a better communicator, how to kind of, you know, come out of my shell and be able to uh, connect with others on a deeper level, understanding like not everyone thinks like I do. I don't know if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs, but I'm an INTP, like there's 16 personality types. And so I might process things one way as an INTP, but then somebody who's extroverted and who's, you know, more organized, maybe like an 
an ENTJ type, they might process things differently. And it's really good to understand um, how people work. You know, even if you don't want to be a counselor, psychology is great for business, for, you know, things like this, making content, being able to connect with people and understand like what they want and then being able to give them what they want and help them. Just like um, the Zig Ziglar book, that was great psychology, right? Because people like who likes them, right? Like if you help somebody, they're going to think highly of you or they're going to be more likely to want to reciprocate that help. You know, so I guess that and also positive thinking that I got into around ninth grade to kind of reprogram my mind and the way that I thought about myself, the subconscious mind, a lot of people don't realize um, controls like 97% of your life and really only about 3% of it is like, you know, conscious. So if you can learn to reprogram that through things like hypnosis, meditation, you know, books like the 3% man, where you learn a new way of thinking um, and just reading that over and over again and getting the repetition and programming your mind um, can really set you up for success. Well, like, tell everybody, read it 10, 15 times. Absolutely, yeah, because you understand like repetition is key. Repetition's another skill. Absolutely. I think that was um, Tony Jim Rohn. Because most of what Tony mm-hmm. learned, he learned from Jim Rohn because he worked for him. Oh, true. So I, don't, I, don't, I think that may have been originally from Jim Rohn. He may have learned it from somebody else. Who knows? Gotcha. All I know is like the pain or pleasure thing that Tony, you know, people do more to avoid pain than they do to gain pleasure. Mm-hmm. That goes back to Aristotle. So that's literally right. thousands of years old. Very cool. Um, so on your journey to success, do you feel like there was a time where you had to reprogram your mind and um, start thinking more positive thoughts and taking more positive actions? Well, it's funny uh, just hearing you say that. I, one of my uh, good friends that I grew up with, or I went to call one of my college friends. He, he mm-hmm. was, we were hanging out one time. He's like, Corey, all you do is bitch, man. You're always complaining about things. And I realized that I do because my mother mm-hmm. was like that. She was always complaining. Right. And I remember I didn't like him saying that about me because I looked at myself as a positive person. Mm-hmm. But I was always just noticing negative things and saying it. Right. And speaking my mind about it. And so I made a conscious effort after that. I was like, I don't want to hear that shit. You know, I don't want people yeah. thinking that about me. So I made a conscious effort to focus on saying positive things and being optimistic and always look, look you know. So I got into self-help really because I just want to learn how to be like Mike. How do I make money? How do I become successful? Mm-hmm. How do I get the big car, the big house, the hot girl, the whole, you know, travel, do all the fun things? And like we were talking about yesterday, hang out at the Beverly Wilshire and hang out with same place table next to fucking Hugh Hefner and Mandy Sandy and Brandy and all these other different celebrities. And it's like, it's interesting to be in that environment with those people and see how they react. And everybody's on the dance floor together. And it's just like regular people having a party. Just, you know, there's just a lot of people that know who a lot of the people are in the room. Absolutely. So it's just, I wanted to figure out how to get there. So that's, that's how I got into self-help. Right. And the answers are out there. Knowledge if is you power. seek, you will find. Amen. Do you know it all? Confucius said, real knowledge is to know the extent of one's ignorance. Mm. My, um, the guy that I train with, uh, John Dufresne, he's connectconsulting.net, my firearms instructor. He's a former Army Ranger, and he's got like two goals in life about everything he does. Number one, first thing is have fun. Number two is learn something. I love that philosophy. Try to have fun. And that's why I try to, you know, I always remind Chunky and Gracie when we're we're working together, have fun, learn something and focus on that because it's got to be fun. 
especially like this is the weekend. Normally I'd be enjoying myself, but yeah, I'm working. So I'm going to work and play and hang out with mm-hmm. cool people, yeah. talk about cool things, try to make a difference. So, you know, it's like, I'm really glad you appreciate you coming all the way down here to tell your story because it's pretty, pretty inspiring. Yeah, it's all good. Because, you know, today's day and age, people would make fun of you like that, obviously. They, they get canceled. But back then, people <laughs> right. would talk shit and they didn't care if you were crippled or disabled or whatever. They just, they could get away with it. In this yes. day and age, they can't. So things have gotten better, obviously. Yes. But back then, it was before the internet. You didn't have it. It's like, you just have to deal with it. Even your best friend is like, yeah. hey, you suck. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that most people, especially people close to you, they want to see you doing well, but they don't like you doing better than them. Mm. And that's what was happening. Because you were on his level, and now all of a sudden you're up here. And now he feels insecure because you for years like, I'm going to get that job. And he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. That's not going to happen. He may have been positive and encouraging. And then you finally get the job. He's like, damn, son of a bitch, pull it off. And I didn't. I'm a loser. Right. And so you try to label that person and, and bring them down a notch because then you feel better. Because when somebody rises out of your social circle and starts making more money or having cooler friends or more successful friends or dating a hotter girl, everybody around you that's just being average and mediocre that was just kind of not really, you know, they were humoring you when you went for the things yeah. you wanted, but they weren't really on your team. And then when you finally get there, it's a mirror back to themselves of like, man, I'm a fucking loser and I don't like that. And so if they can mm-hmm. knock you off your pedestal or knock you down the other side of the mountain, they don't feel so bad about themselves. They don't feel like they're missing out and or they have to change. So it's like – but also people that really do care, then you inspire them because they're like, wow, he – Mike had all those disadvantages. He was a cripple, CP, drove around a brown turd. Everybody <laughs> made fun of him. Right. Grew up poor. He had sure. like every disadvantage yes. and still was hanging out with some of the most yeah. powerful people in the world and, in, you know, that influenced the most powerful imagine, country imagine in the world. somebody going, I saw that guy on a podcast. I used to go to high school with him and I'd say he would call him a cripple and would trip him and he's driving around in a, in a, in a car, car we all called the turd. So, yeah, no, yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a, been a good ride and. Yeah, I wouldn't change anything for anything. So yeah, they should see you now. Yeah, yeah, your wounds become your strengths. Yeah, you overcome mm-hmm. it, and then somebody that's maybe where you used to be, you know how to get out, right? And you know how to help them get out. And again, watching you and Andy those years, you know, buying watches. My, I t- part of the that story I told about, or Corey explained about me speaking to people about uh, motivation or raising money for United Cerebral Palsy. The other thing I said when I got a Rolex watch because of these two guys, because I never thought like what's a, and they were like we're buying a a Bugatti or whatever. What's the Bugari? A Bugari. I don't know. So anyway, they're going. I'm sitting there going, maybe I should buy a watch. Maybe I should buy a watch. So. Part of the story peer when pressure. I speak to people. Peer pressure. Well, no, I wanted what you guys want. Back then, the way we thought was just it was fun to get our friends to blow a bunch of money on shit like that. That, but then we were done because you know you get it, your friends to do shit like that. It validates yes. your life choices, basically. And, and it's then, kind of funny. Yeah, we got them to drop five grand on a watch. And then, and then, and then Rick with his uh, uh, dual uh, turbo, uh, whatever that was, Supra. Like, and you know, like he's going to North Carolina to buy a car, and he's never seen it anyway. So this, the the thought is, I say, listen, I, I have a a good hand and a bad hand. He goes, is that your good hand? Is, 
So good hand, left hand, bad hand, right hand. So I'm trying to make up for my for the years of calling my right hand a bad hand. That's where I w- watch the, where the Rolex. So bad hand is getting uh, compensated reparations because now it's wearing the Rolex. So yeah, nice. Do you I feel bad Rolex about? reparations yeah. on the right hand? <laughs> right. And then the jo- the joke would be like, listen, I, if I ever have a socks with holes in it, the socks with a hole goes on the left foot because that's the good foot. The uh-huh. bad foot always gets the nicer sock. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Evens it out. It evens it out. That's why the Marines get all the hand-me-down equipment and the Army guys get all the new stuff. Really? Hmm. You are are who you hang around with. That's key. That's that's key, key. The Marines do the most with the least. Tip of the spear. I like it. Do you ever find people that, even in, in the, at the level I'm at, people go, you know, I say this, and they go, oh, you lived on a lake there, and oh, that's a nice car, a nice truck you got. And they go, well, you know, I could have done that. But, you know, I had kids, and or, you know, I was in the rat race, and I decided I'm, that wasn't for me. And so do you, do you that's get people? That's their story. Yeah, do you get people mm-hmm. telling you, like, you know, I could, that's great that you're on the YouTube and write books, but I could have wrote a book. But and it, I, to me, that's a big excuse. No, I don't. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That justifies not doing anything. Right. That's the story that they tell themselves. Mm-hmm. And so part of being a coach is you listen to that. And that's people don't realize is they, you know, when I ask questions and they say stuff like that, I, I know exactly what they're thinking and how they feel about themselves. And I'll point that out. I was like, that's your story. That's your excuse for doing nothing. That's your excuse for not going to the gym. That's your excuse for not taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's your excuse for not asking for a raise. That's your excuse for not going out and finding a, if people won't pay you what you feel you're worth at your current employer, you're like, you'll smile on their face, but in the meantime, on your lunch breaks, your coffee breaks, your days off, you're talking to other people about, and because you don't need a job, you just want to get a, a better job with better people, better benefits, better income, because the people you're working for won't give it to you. Then you just go get it somewhere else, and then once you get that job, who knows how long it takes? Maybe it takes you a few weeks or a few months or a year or two. It doesn't matter. Like just like you, you wait two years right. to get that opportunity. But it sure is satisfying when you're working for assholes that won't pay you or, or treat you the way you want to be treated, and you get a better job with better people, and then you go and you put your two weeks notice in. Yeah. And they're upset that you're leaving because they felt like they had some power over mm-hmm. you to, to keep you there. And then you're like, well, I just went and got something better. Yeah. And it's satisfying. Yeah, it's like crabs in a barrel. That's right. They crabs just want to pull you down. Yeah, you got to participate in your own rescue. Mm-hmm. Nobody's coming to save you. You have to do that yourself. And people just project their insecurities onto you. Like your friend who said yeah. you wouldn't last more than six months. So, like That was just his own insecurity that he right. was trying was to his put onto you, his narrative. Yeah. And you know, like the guys you used to work with, work for you guys, and you guys, you know, uh, I won't name names of the people that I can remember, but... Those guys to look back now, they go, well, Corey is this, and because he's doing that, and I went because, and then they go, well, Andy is, and I, and the reason I'm not, so it's all excuses. Mm-hmm. Excuses are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and they all stink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so true. Yeah. 